You are tuned to the Nahum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nachumsiegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast. I'm 
Good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to JM Sunday here on the stream on the Nachum Siegel Network, jmtheam.org, nachumsegel.com. My name is Matis Weingast, and I join with you every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on the uh, stream on the East Coast, Eastern Time, and we broadcast around the world to bring you a nice variety of Jewish music, content, interviews, and lots of other things. So this morning we have a very interesting show. First hour will be uh, filled with music. Uh, Rabbi Goldwasser coming up at 7.30. Ghana Levy-Julian with our news from Israel. And then in the second hour, we have two interviews scheduled. The first one is with Dan Cohen. And Dan Cohen is the director of a, uh, an amazing documentary that uh, aired uh, began to air last uh, Thursday, I believe it was. Thursday uh, was the uh, premiere, um, and uh, it is uh, it was a documentary on the Space Shuttle Columbia and Elon Ramon, entitled Space Shuttle Columbia Mission of Hope, the inspirational story of Columbia astronaut Elon Ramon. And uh, we will be talking to him at 8 o'clock about the, uh, about the, the uh, documentary, and uh, we'll be speaking about uh, how he got involved in it, and uh, it was really, it was really amazing. And then at 8:30, we expect to be joined by Mr. Abe Biederman. Mr. Abe Biederman has been a close friend of uh, former Mayor Ed Koch, who passed away on Tuesday, on, on uh, Friday morning, excuse me, at 2 a.m. Uh, and a very charismatic leader and uh, former mayor of New York City. So we'll be talking to Mr. Biederman about uh, his friendship over the many, many years with Ed Koch. And a couple of things thrown in here and there for those of you who uh, enjoy football games. Today is a big day, of course, the Super Bowl taking place in Louisiana. We understand that there is kosher food available for those who are going to the game. And uh, we'll see if we can get some more information about that. Right now it's 7.08 in the morning Eastern Time, 29 degrees outside here in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. 
Kind of cold. It snowed last night in some parts. Not too much snow, really, but you have to be careful out there because it's a bit slick since the uh, weather is, the temperature is, is so, uh, a bit, uh, well, actually, not so much below freezing, but you know, enough below freezing to make it more dangerous when you go out there this morning. We're going to play music as we do. That's our best thing that we do. If you want to send me an email, please do so at uh, matis at nachumsegel.com, M-A-T-T-E-S at nachumsegel.com. A little later on today, actually, you know, we'll do it now because we have so many things going on. The amazing JM365 calendar that uh, Yossi Zweig put together is uh, going with for February, right? Wow. Yehuda Green, we'll be hearing some music from him a little later on. Yehuda Green is the featured performer for February. So today on the, uh, as my calendar tells me, it's the 3rd of February. It's the 23rd of Shvat. 5773 in Dafyomi, Shabbos 123. Getting closer to the end. So if you send me an email to matis at nachomsegel.com, M A T T E S, at nachomsegel.com, and uh, be the first one to do it, I will send you one of these calendars. We're going to be sending out all of our calendars very soon, so get in there right now and uh, and uh, please, send me an email. If you have a request for a song, you can do it that way also. I think we already have a request or two. We'll try to get to them. If you have any Mazel Tov wishes or any other announcements, please let us know. Here is Shalshelis Jr. on JM Sunday. <laughs>
That was music by Bigla Lovos Lola Fakha Yosef Chaim here on the stream, JM Sunday. Mata Swan guest with you, 7.21 in the morning on a Sunday morning, Eastern time. And it's a cold morning, but we're going to try to warm you up and, uh, and keep the music going and keep the entertainment going this morning. Coming up at 7.30, Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Right now, out to listener Joel in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Here is by request Yoel Weiss with Adon Alum on JM Sunday.
That was music by Diaspora Yeshiva Band, S.I.N.I. Here on JM Sunday, 7.28 in the morning, Eastern Time. Wanted to remind you that JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama, more than a camera store, the official electronics retailer of the Nachum Siegel Network. 42 West 18th Street in New York City, 1-800-223-2500. That's the number to call, 1-800-223-2500. For cameras, electronics, portable entertainment, your iPod, iPad needs, audiovisual equipment, Adorama, imaging and beyond since 1975. Official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Network. Coming up in a few seconds, Rabbi Goldwasser wanted to remind you after that, we'll get to the news from Israel. And at 8 o'clock, Dan Cohen, director of the the documentary released last week, Mission of Hope, the Columbia story. And at 8.30, Abe Biederman, a good friend of former Mayor Ed Koch, who passed away on Friday morning, will be joining us to discuss his friendship with Ed Koch over the years and... uh, no doubt relating some interesting tidbits about the former mayor. And uh, at this time, each and every Sunday through Thursday, we present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser, Rabbi Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We read in Yeshaya, Vayasim Chizkiyo Ponovela Ker, Chizkiyo, then turned his face to the wall by his palalel Hashem, and he prayed to Hashem. We read in Breshis, Vatomer Sora el Avram, and Sora said to Avram, Sora had a complaint about Avram Avinu, that he should have prayed for her to have a child. Yet, we learn in Yuvamos that she didn't have the physical capabilities to bear a child. Haravach Vogel, the former mashkiach of the Lakewood Yeshiva asks, what would it help if Avram Avinu would have been mispalel? The mashkiach says that a person can pray for something that they think is supernatural, something that is chutz midarach That is how great the power of tefillah, the power of prayer is. It's proven from here that the power of tefillah is so great that it can even create a briyach adosha, a new essence. And therefore, a person should never say, What will my prayer help? The Medrash says that if a person knew how powerful tefillah is, he wouldn't stop praying from the moment he gets up in the morning until the moment that he goes to sleep. One of the Talmidim of Yehuda Asad was once traveling between two cities on a desolate road. He was accosted by a robber who robbed him and wanted to kill him. The Talmud pleaded for his life, but the murderer wouldn't listen. Finally, the Talmud realized it was too late to save his life, so he begged for a few moments to pray to Hashem and to say Kriya Shema. He cried so much that finally the murderer relented and allowed him a couple of minutes to daven. The Talmud started to say Kriyashma with great kavana, and when he finished the tefillah, he opened his eyes and saw that the Roitzeach had disappeared. He immediately ran to his Rebbe, Rebbe Yehuda Asad, and he asked him, what does this mean? Rebbe Yehuda Asad said to him, let me ask you a question. In your whole life, have you ever said Kriyashma 
with the enthusiasm and the kavana that you did this time? Certainly not. They wanted to teach you from Shamayim a chapter in the laws of Kriyashma. A person has to accept upon himself O Malchus Shamayim, the yoke of the heavenly kingdom, and to pray as if his life depends on it. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning physic. Have a nice day.
Sunday. Good morning. <laughs> we read in Yeshua. No, no, no. We heard from Rabbi Goldwasser already. We love hearing uh, from him uh, time and again, but we, we did hear from Rabbi Goldwasser already, so uh, I apologize for that. We'll get to him tomorrow morning. You'll be able to hear Rabbi Goldwasser once again on JM and the AM. Nachum will be on from 6 to 9 in the morning, and uh, he'll be starting off the official work week on 91.1 and... Uh, on the FM dial over there. And uh, that will be with James Name. So Rabbi Goldwasser will be back at 7.30 tomorrow. Right now it's 7.39 Eastern Time here on JM Sunday. Mata Swine guest with you on the third day of February, the 23rd day in the month of Shvat, 57.73. Looking ahead for the next hour and a quarter or so, an hour and a half, we will be joined at 8 o'clock by Mr. Dan Cohen who is an Emmy Award-winning director, and he'll be talking about the the documentary that just uh, came out last week about uh, Ilan Ramon and the Space Shuttle Columbia, entitled The Space Shuttle Columbia Mission of Hope. So we'll spend some time talking with him. And uh, at 8.30, we'll be joined by Mr. Abe Biederman, a, a longtime friend of former Mayor Ed Koch, who passed away on... Friday at the age of 88. So he'll be talking to us about his time in the uh, Koch administration and his friendship with uh, with Ed Koch. Uh, this time, we are ready to go to our news from Israel, and we join Hanna Levi-Julian, a senior correspondent and editor for the Israel National News, English Division, and a news broadcaster in Israel. Joining us today, giving us the news from Israel. Good morning, Hanna. How are you? Good morning, and how are you? Great, great. Imagine my surprise when I was preparing a, a little bit of a story that I'll be talking about later on in the show. Today here in the United States and around the world is a big, big day for sports enthusiasts of the football kind, and that's U.S. football, unlike football in the rest of the world, which we know is soccer. But today <laughs> is, of course, the big game, Super Bowl Sunday, down in Louisiana, and uh, I pulled up a report because I wanted to find out what kosher food is available for the many people that are heading down there, or there already, certainly, who want to have kosher food and not have to schlep it with them. And imagine my surprise when I pull up the Arutz Sheva news feed and find out that the lead article on 
Super Bowl Sunday, kosher food ready, check, Chabad is ready, written by our own <laughs> Hannah Levy Julian. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later, and uh, and uh, I hope that I don't wake him up, but I actually may be trying to get in touch with Rabbi Rifkin, who uh, is from the Chabad Lubavitch down there. Uh, but they are an hour behind, so I'm not sure I want to do that. You're definitely not going to be waking him up. Absolutely. But right, th- that I'm, I'm sure not. And I already have it. The, I already have it prepared that I was going to say, "Hey, I'm calling on behalf of Hannah Levy, Julia, a news correspondent. Would you like to join us?" So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Want to remind everybody at eight o'clock, we'll be joined by Dan Cohen, director of the documentary uh, Space Shuttle Columbia Mission of Hope. And at 8.30, Abe Biederman, a former member of the Koch administration and a personal friend of former Mayor Ed Koch, who, as you know, passed away on Friday at the age of 88. So what's new in Israel this morning, this afternoon, in your neck of the woods? It's been a busy, busy day. Wow. It really has. Uh, First of all, you know that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu has been very busy with coalition talks. He's trying to do that delicate dance that he really does so well uh, in trying to keep everybody happy uh, to put together. Um, President Perez, Shimon Perez, asked him to put together a coalition. This is the third time Benjamin Netanyahu has been asked to put together a government. He's, uh, he's good at that, and he's going to have to bring together all the disparate entities and form a coalition. Um, Shas and UTJ, United Toward Judaism, have been talking as well and coordinating their own positions um, on the issue of military draft for Haredi uh, religious men because they don't want them pulled out of yeshivas in order to go to the army. Um some members of that uh, faction are not as extreme about it as others because some of them believe that the men who are sitting in the yeshivas and actually not learning really should go uh, into at least the Torah-observant parts of the army and, and uh, do some service. Other members of that faction are absolutely vehemently opposed. So they have to coordinate among themselves before they then enter talks with the Prime Minister. Um, He also has to coordinate those talks with Yair Lapid from Yeshatid, the new political party that won such a high number of votes and which will then, if they join, will be a senior member of the coalition. So that's what's going on politically we have, however, uh, another thing going on, two things, actually. Um, we got a report this afternoon that folks in Lebanon have spotted Israeli planes from flying in the skies of South Lebanon again. Uh, apparently, our pilots are up there uh, rehearsing a few runs and just checking out targets and having a good time in the bright, sunny skies of the Middle East today. It's beautiful weather here. Uh, it's a great day for flying. <laughs> I guess they're having a good time. I'm not sure if the Lebanese are having a, such a good time about it, but I guess our guys are. Um, last week, you know, there, there was a um, there was a convoy hit in Syria. Uh, they were taking um, missiles, um, surface-to-air missiles, towards the Lebanese border, 
our guys didn't like that too much. Uh, there was also a military research center on the outskirts of Damascus where chemical weapons were being processed. That military center was taken out as well, and they accused Israel of having done that job. Uh, Defense Minister Ehud Barak is at a defense conference in Germany, and apparently he has just um, indirectly admitted that Israel, in fact, really was behind that attack. So um, it's been an interesting day. That's out of the ordinary, by the way. Usually uh, Israel does not uh, confirm or deny such a... Uh... Yeah, he didn't. He, let, me, let me interrupt you. He did not confirm it um, openly. He didn't confirm it. What he said was, I cannot add anything to what you have read about what happened in Syria several days ago. That's the quote. And he said, and I quote, but I keep telling people that we said that is another proof that when we say something we mean it we say it should not be allowable to bring advanced weapon systems into Lebanon and Hezbollah from Syria when Assad falls well that's that's a pretty clear indication splicing the loaf the other way right wink wink (laughs) (laughs) so it's going to be an interesting week Oh, absolutely. Now, going, going back to the elections and the coalition building, uh, I know that uh, the um, current uh, members who are going to be joining the Knesset, rather, uh, the the, inco- the uh, new um, members, are on a um, are on like, sort of like a gag order not to give interviews because of the coalition building process. Right. Uh, we we expect to be joined uh, in the coming weeks by Dove Lipman, who's a newly elected member of Knesset, Chavera Knesset. Uh, but uh, he, he wasn't able to join us this week because of that uh, kind of a moratorium, because things are so delicate. And, and, and although we know that uh, uh, Israeli politicians are very good at keeping things secret and uh, not divulging anything and not expressing their own opinions, uh, nevertheless, the gag order was put into place anyway. <laughs> uh, the gag order was put into place for really good reason. Yeah. And nevertheless, despite that gag order... Uh, Bogi Ya'alon, Moshe Ya'alon, from the Likud Israel Beitenu party, uh, had no compunctions about telling the media that he actually believes by Yehudi, uh, which is the, the Dati Lumi, the religious Zionist party, at the end of the day will most likely become a member of the, uh, of the coalition. Interesting. Um, it, you have to understand, though, he probably could not have leaked that without someone having said that was okay to do. Right, of course. Of course. Speaking on the condition of anonymity, because they really shouldn't say anything at all. Right. <laughs> but they said it anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Israel. Absolutely. It's all over. Uh, uh, that, that's, that, those are the famous uh, quotes used. Can't, can't really quote him because he didn't really say what he wanted to say, but he had to say something, but I can't really say that he had to say. Well, whatever. Anyway, Connor Levy Julian, thank you for joining us this morning with the news from Israel, and we'll catch up with you again next week here on JM Sunday. My pleasure. Have a great day. We are. Have a great week. Thank you, thank you, you too. It is 7.49 Eastern Time on the stream. 
jmnam.org, nachamsegel.com. My name is Matis Weingast. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Dan Cohen, director of the uh, Ilan Ramon Space Shuttle Columbia documentary. Right now, here is David Stein on JM Sunday.
was music by Eitan Katz here on JM Sunday. Matis Weingast with you. A beautiful day out on the East Coast. <laughs> kind of. It's uh, 29 degrees outside right now. It's 7.58 Eastern Time. It's cold, and there was some snow last night, so uh, you have to be careful out there because there's some still uh, there's some uh, snow on the ground. It's still icy in uh, many of the locations. So, you know, just be careful. But there are other places around the world where it's nice and warm. I know people are getting ready for the Super Bowl today down in Louisiana. We're going to try to touch base with uh, somebody out there who's making sure that there's kosher food out there in uh, Louisiana for the Super Bowl. So we'll see if we can get together with uh, with that uh, with that person over there. I wanted to remind you that JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama, which is more than a camera store. It's the official electronics retailer of the Nahum Siegel Network, 42 West 18th Street, New York City. 1-800-223-2500 is the number for all your audiovisual needs, cameras, electronics, iPads, iPods, and more. Adorama, imaging and beyond since 1975, an official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Online Network. Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to have a, uh, in just a minute, a few seconds actually, we're going to have a, a phenomenal uh, guest Joining us, I wanted to remind you, looking ahead to 8.30, we'll be joined by Abe Biederman, a close friend and former member of the uh, Koch administration. Mayor Ed Koch passed away on Friday at the age of 88. So we'll be talking to Abe Biederman at that time and discussing uh, his, uh, his legacy and what went on during the administration. Ten years ago on Friday, this past Friday, ten years ago, the Space Shuttle Columbia was supposed to return. It did not. Uh, at 9.16 in the morning Eastern Time, as it entered the atmosphere, uh, it uh, exploded in what NASA calls uh, a, a tragic accident. Uh, a lot of things happened to cause that, and uh, that's not the focus of our discussion this morning. But we are joined by an Emmy-winning director who has uh, been in the in, the, in show business, as it uh, were, for oh, close to 30 years, and who directed an amazing, amazing documentary, which aired last week on public TV and is still uh, airing all around the country, entitled Space Shuttle Columbia, Mission of Hope. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to JM Sunday, Mr. Dan Cohen. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. How are you? Fine, thank you, and thank you for joining us this early in the morning. I appreciate it. I'm delighted. So this happened, as we said, 10 years ago. Do you remember where you were when you first heard about it? Oh, absolutely I do. It was a Saturday morning, um, uh, somewhat overcast, uh, just kind of like today. Um, and it was very early in the morning on the, uh, when the accident happened. Uh, and a friend of mine called me on the phone and said, go turn on your TV. And I'm a space enthusiast. And the moment he said that to me, and the way he said it to me, a chill uh, went through me, because I just had an inkling that something had happened to the Columbia. And I turned on the television, and of course, I you know, immediately started to see, see those searing images that, that we all remember 10 years ago. And I thought, oh, no, not again. And... Um, and that uh, that that started to draw me in immediately because of because I'm such a space enthusiast. 
said, I was just very, very tuned in to, to what was going on and, and how the accident happened. Absolutely. The, uh, there have been a number of times over the years, the many, many decades of the space program, where accidents have occurred. Uh, the other major one, I mean, they're all major, but uh, the other big one, of course, was the Challenger uh, accident that happened years before on uh, within the first you know, minutes of flight. Uh, and, and again, something that is uh, ingrained in everybody's memory, uh, as this one certainly was. You decided that this was something that should be, uh, should be written about, should be spoken about, should be remembered, and should be presented in a way that tells a story, not of the actual flight itself or the uh, individual parts of the flight or you know, certainly what happened with the accident, but uh, focusing on Ilan Ramon, the first Israeli astronaut, to uh, to join the U.S. space program, what made you think of telling the story about Elon? Well, again, because I was because I'm so interested in space exploration, and and I was so locked into uh, trying to find out every detail I could about what happened to Columbia. Uh, just a couple weeks after the accident, I read a, a, a little article in the back of the newspaper about a little Torah scroll that uh, Elon had carried with him aboard the Columbia. And the Torah scroll belonged to uh, a uh, Holocaust survivor who was on the science team supporting Elon. And the Torah scroll was actually an artifact from a uh, concentration camp. And I thought, wow, what an interesting new way to tell a Holocaust story to a new generation. And I thought... I, almost instantly, I thought, boy, this could make an interesting documentary, and and it's a. I was looking for a project at that time to develop, and uh, I, with my love of space and and my interest in this story, I thought, gee, this might be a this might make a good film. For sure, uh, there are many themes within this film, uh, which, uh, by the way, aired on public television, uh, debuted on the um, on. Thursday, I believe it was Thursday evening. Yeah, Thursday night. And uh, we had uh, all across the country, and it's uh, it's running probably over the next couple weeks at various times around the country on on uh, public television stations. It's easy to find out uh, when it's running uh, in your hometown. Uh, all you have to do is go to our website. Here comes a shameless plug. <laughs> go but for all it. All you have to do is go to our website, missionofhopemovie.com. And we have a full schedule of uh, of all the broadcasts there. Excellent, and uh, we'll mention that a, a few times later on. Also, it's, there are many themes within the documentary. Uh, diversity is one of them. Survival is one of them. And uh, this, as as NASA had said, this was one of the most diverse crews for a space shuttle ever put together. Uh, you have people from all works, walks of life, uh, and. Uh, in, in your case as a director and as somebody who's uh, made this documentary and, and other uh, shows, it must be hard to make a doc documentary if you didn't – or a little harder to make a documentary if you didn't actually live through the event. Or let's say another way, it's probably a bit easier in a certain way to make the documentary if you lived through it. But in this day and age, and you had so much video – uh, because of the the brother of one of the uh, because of one of the astronauts, Dave Brown, who uh, shot tremendous number of uh, hours of footage of the group coming together and becoming cohesive as they were training. Yeah, well, you know, there there are many many uh, elements within the film that uh, are 
are really unique, and which makes I I feel uh, uh, makes the documentary itself um, unique and an, and an interesting viewing experience in a lot of different ways. Uh, one of the challenges of this film uh, was that I didn't I wanted it to be a, the story about this Holocaust. Uh, artifact. As a matter of fact, when I started to make the documentary, I thought I was making a Holocaust story. Oh, wow. And it wasn't until I started to peel back the layers and dig deeper into the story that it that I realized, wait a minute, there are an awful lot of dots to connect here, and there's a lot going on inside this story. And a lot of it centered around the Columbia crew and who they were and what they brought to all of us. You know, that that, that moment 10 years ago that we're remembering today and we remembered on Friday really, really is burned into our brain as that tragic moment in American history and in, and in Israeli history and in Jewish history. Absolutely. However, I think now is the time that we kind of shift our attention and our focus of the accident more to the legacy of who the Columbia crew was and and who they were was probably one of the more diverse group of astronauts ever to fly together. Right. And what they demonstrated to the world was the magnificence of diversity and what we all bring to each other when we all work for the greater good. But yet woven through them and around them was this horrific story in contrast from the Holocaust. So it becomes a very, very powerful uh, hour. And oddly enough, because of the message that the Columbia crew brought to us, it really ends up being a journey of the human spirit and a message of hope. Right, exactly. Uh, Dan Cohen is joining us this morning. Uh, he's the director of Space Shuttle Columbia, Mission of Hope, a wonderful documentary on the Space Shuttle Columbia focusing on Ilan Ramon and uh, the uh, the story of the Torah, which we'll uh, discuss in, in a second. Uh, a few days after the tragedy, Prime Minister Ariel Sharon uh, held a state memorial ceremony for Alain Ramon, and uh, he said, among other things, quote, his youthful face, his eternal smile, his fresh countenance, the twinkle in his eyes penetrated our souls. His image projected from above was the reflection of Israel at its best. Israel as we would have liked to see it, the Israel we love. And then went on to talk about the Torah scroll and said that it brought by a Jewish boy from a concentration camp. And in addition, uh, Lon Ramon also had a Kiddush cup, an Israeli flag, and an Israeli Air Force badge, which uh, he brought with him. The uh, Prime Minister said they constituted the source of pride and united our hearts in these trying times. Uh, as you know, as a space buff, uh, this is very common for astronauts to bring some personal items with them that not only represent the, themselves, but represent a greater uh, community. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's one of the one of the many storylines in the in the documentary discusses these items that astronauts carry with them. Uh, and you'll hear Steve McLean, who uh, is a Canadian astronaut, a former Canadian astronaut who's flown a couple times, very eloquently describes uh, why astronauts bring these items to space. You know, and, and he talks about that it's it's such an overwhelming experience to fly into space and that you look down at the earth in a minute you can't believe only a second goes by because there's so much imprinted on your brain and so when you come home 
you can talk about the moments, but you really, really can't describe to your loved ones what it really feels like. So often astronauts will bring these items with them to try to bridge that gap uh, a bit, to try to bring along a little bit just to share the experience. And for some astronauts, they'll also bring along symbolic issues, uh, symbolic items that, uh, that go to the heart of who they were. And that really was part of what, really what we think of as Elon Ramon's mission within his mission was to demonstrate to the world and show the world who he was and what his heritage was all about. And for Elon, who was the son of a Holocaust survivor and the grandson of a Holocaust survivor, that really was the Holocaust. Right. I don't want to give away the uh, the story of the Torah because it, it really is poignant when you're watching it. It's very moving. Uh, but basically, this was a small Torah that was used in a concentration camp and was saved from the concentration camp. And for Elon Ramon to have uh, found it almost by accident because he was working with uh, one of the uh, scientists, uh, Dr. Joseph, uh, known as Yoya, uh, and happened to see this, and then uh, that led to, as you'll see in the in the documentary, uh, his taking it into space. Unfortunately, uh, Yoya, as he was called, did not live to see the uh, completion of the documentary. Did did he uh, was he around for a good part? I mean, did he know what the end would be uh, like with it? Yeah, well, uh, he was really for a long. He really was the focus of the film for, for both he and Elon are the focus of the film. Yes. And uh, Yoya and I became very close friends. Uh, it took us it took us seven years to make the film and another three years to bring it to PBS. So it's really been a ten year effort, if you can believe it. But by the way, if I may interrupt for a second, this the actual mission uh, STS-107, I believe it was space shuttle was, I believe, the longest delayed mission of any of the space shuttles. I think it was delayed originally from 1997, if I'm correct. Yeah, well, the, the mission itself, I think, was delayed for two years, and the crew trained for five years. Right. So it, 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 it's not surprising if it took a while to get the documentary together. But, <laughs> yes, I, I'm sorry, you were saying that you well, became Yoda friends. Well, and I had become very, very close, and I interviewed him three times for the film over a period of a few years, and I spent many hours with him, and... I promised him I would finish the film, and tragically, you know, just shortly before we went into post-production, he passed away. Mm. Sorry sorry about that. Yeah, when so did you first get to meet Alana Ramon's wife, Rona? Well, I met uh, Rona Ramon uh, very shortly after the accident. Um, when, when I read about that story uh, of the little scroll, I had a friend in NASA, and I called him up, and I said, are you aware of this little scroll that Elon had carried with him aboard the Columbia? And he said, yeah, what about it? And I said, well, I think it might make an interesting documentary, and I would like to meet this guy, Dr. Joseph, just to to see if I could get his permission to poke around to develop a film. And he said, hang on a minute. And he puts me on hold, and he comes back on the line about three minutes later, and he says, Dan, I have Dr. Joseph on the line from Tel Aviv. Dr. Uh -oh. Joseph, meet Dan Cohen. Wow. At that point, uh, Yo-Yo said to me in somewhat of a suspicious tone, because the accident had just happened, what, what can I do for you? Right. And I said, well, I saw your story. I think it's a very, very powerful story, and I'd like your permission and he said to me, that at that point he said to me something that I would hear over and over again for the next 10 years. He said to me, anything I can do for my dear friend Elon Ramon, 
you tell me what to do. Wow. And that's how it started. And I have to tell you, anybody who came anywhere within connection of this story or of the Columbia Cruise story, whether they were friends, astronauts, fellow NASA employees, relatives, whoever, I, all, every, without a flash, people would say to me, what can I do to help you tell this story? There's something about this story that just drags you in and doesn't let you go. It, it also, is, as you said before, we, we all witnessed what happened. It's it seared in our minds. It, we, we see the images, and it was so so major an issue that as soon as you talk about it, someone will say, wow, it's a way that they can express their own feelings. Uh, I think it was... Um, one of the astronauts' wives, I, I forget his, uh, I forget her first name, Mrs. Husband. Evelyn Husband, As, yeah. I believe she said in one of the, uh, it may have been recent actually, that the emotion did not come out right away. It couldn't come out. They didn't know how to deal with it, but in the weeks and months later, the tears were flowing and the emotions came out. It was just such a, a shock. Uh, well, you, know. they, you, you have to remember that the the scene of this tragedy Evelyn Husband, Rona Ramon, and all of the other family members, they lost their loved ones on the world stage. Yeah. And, you know, and with that comes, uh, sadly, uh, notoriety and press. And, you know, it, it, every moment must have just been an overwhelming moment, which you, you talk about that when I first met Rona. I met her two weeks after the accident. It was arranged by uh, General Ronnie Falk, who was in, uh, general in the Israeli Air Force, who was taking care of the family after the after the accident happened. And Rona was about during the mission when Elon did his television broadcast from the Columbia, and he held up the little Torah scroll and told the story of the scroll. Uh, the Prime Minister invited the crew on a VIP tour of Israel. And Rona was going to take the family members on the tour that the crew was never able to take. And so I flew down to Houston and had lunch with her and met her at that lunch. And at that point, she said to me, of all the stories done about her husband, this is the story he would have wanted told. And then she said, you need to come with us on this tour. And I, about a month later, uh, I found myself in Israel filming we weren't, we weren't wow. even ready. We were nowhere near ready to start filming. We had no money. I right. had to take out a bank loan to, <laughs> to fund the shoot. And uh, suddenly we were filming. Wow. Un unbelievable. Dan Cohen, uh, we are uh, pleased to have you join us this morning. Uh, the, uh, the name of the documentary Space Shuttle Columbia Mission of Hope. If you want to find out where it's playing in your area, missionofhopemovie.com, Mission of Hope movie.com. I imagine with uh, as, as with anything else in film, uh, you probably have a lot more footage that could have been put together and, and you could have expanded the story to be three hours instead of just one hour. Uh, but we're fortunate that you're able to put everything together and have such a powerful film in that one hour. Thank you. That, yeah, that's a question I often get, what was left on the cutting room floor, and the answer is another documentary. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's interesting, uh, two quick, quick points. I remember when uh, this happened a couple of years afterwards. My, my, actually, within the year, my wife was teaching in a uh, in a Jewish day school in New Jersey, and the class uh, put together a mural, uh, created a mural, and uh, entitled "To Keep NASA Alive." And shortly after, uh, she and one and our sons went down to Florida. 
for a vacation and brought the mural and presented it to an individual. I believe his name uh, is um, David Dunn. There's a, an organization called uh, Astronauts Memorial Foundation, which uh, has different um, programs uh, memorializing the astronauts and part of the center. And they, they hung up that mural. Uh, it, was a, it was an expression of something to, uh, to do, that people want to just reach out and, um, you know, and express themselves. Yeah, it's extraordinary, particularly when you're around uh, middle-aged school children or, or high school kids, how this story connects with them, even even though, believe it or not, probably, you know, these kids were very, very young at the time of the accident 10 years ago, and probably they either maybe remember something happened, but probably not the, the details of it. Uh, I've, I've been fortunate to screen the film in a number of places around the country, and, and Rona and I actually uh, toured Hong Kong and screened the film in Hong Kong. And we visited a couple of high schools in Hong Kong and screened the film with students there. And it was a really interesting experience to watch these kids really get, get so taken by the film. And their questions were, were really, really profound. It Excellent. Was, it was an interesting experience. I'm glad that you're also a space enthusiast in general and have been for your whole life. I, I, I don't know if it's a little secret, but I read it, so it can't be a secret, that you had your own Mercury uh, capsule uh, seat in your living room right? well, <laughs> when you were a that, kid. That Mercury capsule <laughs> was my was the blue chair in, in, in the living room, and I used to pretend that that, that was my spaceship and I think I orbited the Earth about a thousand times in that blue chair. <laughs> right, but uh, the the importance of, of space uh, travel and study. Uh, you know, a lot of people say well, we we spend a lot of money on on this, and uh, uh, I'm I'm sure you'll agree that it's money worth spending because, uh, as a lot of people know, there are a lot of other things that come about from the space program that we have now in daily life. Uh, I used to be an emergency medical technician. We used telemetry to get information back to hospitals from a scene. And that telemetry was developed because of the space program and now is is used you know all over the world. That's just what you do to save lives. It's it's there and it's because of the space program. So when we're pushed to something great and we develop things it, it does filter down to daily use and that's important also. Well, you can't. I don't think there's a part of our lives. I, I think it's very fair to say there isn't any part of our lives, even in our daily lives, that hasn't somehow been impacted by space technology, space space uh, exploration, or in some way, even as something as mundane as pumping gas into your car. Right. When you slide that card into the gas pump, if it wasn't for a satellite hovering, uh, orbiting the Earth it wouldn't trigger the, the pump to start. Absolutely, absolutely. Dan Cohen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, I'll let you know that right after we finish, we're going to music by Eric Einstein. That's another, uh, that's another thing that you could, you could do a documentary about. Uh, the different teams on spaceships get woken up, usually by music, uh, each morning. And during this particular flight, there were a number of songs uh, chosen by uh, either Elon or his wife, uh, to um, to wake up to one of the ones uh, by Eric Einstein was called the Matau Sekisha Takamba Boker. What what do you do when you get up in the morning? We're going to be playing the feed of that as it was played for him and the crew it was the red team on uh, the eighth day of the flight, and you will hear Ilan Ramon 
talking to the ground control specialist after the song. So, Dan, I want to thank you again for joining us here on JM Sunday. Uh, I encourage everybody to watch this video, Mission of Hope, uh, this movie, missionofhopemovie.com, uh, to find out where it's playing. I understand that uh, in a couple of months it will be available on DVD. It, yeah, you can purchase the the film through PBS if you go to shameless plug again. If you go to our website, we have a link to the PBS site where you can actually purchase a copy of the film if you didn't get a chance to watch it on PBS. But it's still playing around, and uh, if you look at the schedule, you might be surprised. You might be able to find it uh, playing uh, in your town. Excellent. Dan Cohen, thank you again so much for joining us here on JM Sunday. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Take care. Here is uh, music by Eric Einstein. This is uh, what was played on day eight of the uh, space shuttle Columbia wake-up. forward to working with you for another great day of science. That music was for Ilan. It was Ma'ata Oshe Kishiata Kamba Boker by Eric Einstein. Good morning, uh, Linda and all the team uh, of the flight uh, director. It's great to hear your voice speaking Hebrew. And the sentence you just uh, talked is, what do you do when you wake up in the morning? So, uh, I'm smiling here. Everybody is smiling here. And we are happy uh, for another great day in space for a great science. Thank you, Elon, and we hope you are all having a great morning up there. Okay, Lee, Kelly, Shall I 
That was music by Avraham Fried, Rock Tefillah, live in Israel. And we are live with you here on JM Sunday. Matis Weingast with you, 8.31 in the morning Eastern Time. My thanks to Dan Cohen, who was the, is the director of Mission of Hope, the uh, story of Space Shuttle Columbia, for joining us in the last half hour. It's, uh, it's an amazing story, and we thank him for uh, telling about his part in it. On the show here, JM Sunday, I want to remind you, is brought to you by Adorama, which is more than a camera store. It's the official electronics retailer of the Nachum Siegel Network. 42 West 18th Street, New York City, 1-800-223-2500. For cameras, audiovisual equipment, electronics, portable entertainment, iPods, iPads, and more, Adorama, imaging and beyond since 1975, official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Network. Well... It is, uh, of course, known that on Friday, 2 a.m., one of the uh, one of the greatest leaders, I would say, in uh, the city of New York history, uh, Mayor Ed Koch, passed away at the age of 88, and he will be remembered by so many people as being, besides a great leader and a great mayor, a very relevant person till the very end. We're very fortunate to have joining us this morning. Mr. Abraham Biederman, who has uh, known Mayor Koch for a very, very long time. Uh, Abe is a, an investment banker and chairman of Shuvu. Certainly you've heard on uh, JM and the AM about Shuvu, which is a, an amazing organization which uh, supports the school, has a network of schools in Israel. And uh, this morning, though, he's here to join us to talk about his friend, Ed Koch. Good morning, Mr. Biederman. How are you? Good morning, Baruch Hashem. So and, um, yes. I worked for directly for the mayor for seven years uh, as both a special advisor to the mayor and then as the city finance commissioner and as the housing commissioner. But after uh, I left government, I maintained my relationship uh, until basically the very end, and I was in constant contact with him. Wow. When did you first meet him? Was it during uh, right before you became part of the uh, administration? Yeah, I met him probably 81, 82 for the first time and joined his administration exactly almost 30 years ago, uh, uh, January 1st, 1983. Wow. Now, the uh, the mayor was a mayor of the city of New York. Uh, he was uh, the mayor, I believe, after Abe Beam. I think he defeated – I think he uh, took uh, office after right. Abe Beam. Right. And uh, he was between <clears throat> Abe Beam and David Dinkins. And he served for, um, I, I believe it was 11 years in office. Well, 12 years. 12, 12 years. years. No, 12 years from, right. Three, four-year term. And uh, was was known as uh, certainly a feisty mayor, but uh, everyone who had anything to say about him then, now, always say that he said what he meant. He would not shy away from anything. And, of course, we can't say anything about him without mentioning his famous expression of asking everyone, how am I doing? In, in with your friendship with him, did he take to heart what people told him when they asked when he asked them, "How am I doing?" Well, he was very receptive to people's comments. So obviously, he was very opinionated, and it was hard to change his mind. But sometimes, when he listened to people and people convinced him that he was going on the wrong path, he would change his mind. So he was very sensitive to people's uh, reactions to what he was doing and what he was saying. And he was uh, very, very smart. He was—he picked up right away, and he had fantastic political instincts. And he was 
of course, a man of the people. He could relate to the common man until the end. I remember walking down on 6th Avenue. His office was on 6th Avenue in the 50s. And I walked down the street with him one day, um, about two or three years ago. And all the taxi drivers were coming uh, up 6th Avenue would start hanking them once. <laughs> and half of them were never, probably were in Bangladesh when he was mayor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and but the, he they related to him in a way that I don't think they related to most of a public official. Shortly after he left office, uh, when I say shortly, relatively speaking, I think it was about five or six years after he left office, he was interviewed, and he said, and he, he really felt this that he was amazed that so many people still recognized him and came up to him in restaurants and on the street and just just spoke to him, and he felt very touched by that. He felt that uh, he was amazed that he had still had, as I said before, such relevance and, and such appeal. Well, I was with him in Eretz Yisrael by a very unfortunate incident for the Hovaya of um, Rabin. And after the Hovaya, we, uh, Ada Holmberg was then the mayor of, of Yerushalayim, and he took us around the city, and wherever we went, and wherever, Everybody was, everybody recognized him. 100% name recognition in Shalaya. Wow. <laughs> and everybody wanted to shake hands with him. And there were many other political figures there. and But none of them resonated the way uh, Ed Koch did, even in Israel. Abe Biederman joining us this morning on JM Sunday, a, uh, a, a longtime friend of former Mayor Ed Koch who passed away. Friday at the age of 88. Uh, Mayor Koch was a very, very proud Jew and certainly someone who supported Israel tremendously. You mentioned you were with him at one time in Israel. There was another famous time, of course, where he was in Israel and was hit by a rock thrown by a Palestinian protester. He ended up with the stitches, and that I think was nine stitches, and uh, I believe that uh, he had a picture of that rock in his office. <laughs> And, yes, and you know, still had it there. He um, was very proud of the impact that he had um, on the Turner election when he was probably the single most important person responsible for electing uh, Congressman Bob Turner. And that was all about Israel. And I was intending to send a message to the president that the people were angry at him because he wasn't supportive of Israel. And he felt correctly that after that, the mayor, the president's rhetoric changed, and when he got before the United Nations, he was much more pro-Israel than before, because he took note that the people were not happy with what he was doing, and Ed Koch was the one who led that uh, movement. Right, and, and as you said, he was very outspoken. He was not afraid to tell any president or elected official, whether it uh, be from his party or not, how he felt, especially when it came to Israel. Of course, he's known uh, in, the, in New York City as really uh, pulling New York City out of a fiscal cliff. Uh, term has all been used now recently, but it was in bad shape back then, and he certainly turned it around tremendously. I'm, I'm sure with your help and with uh, others' help. Well, he gave the city back its optimism because the city defaulted on its debt in 75, and many thought it would end up like Detroit and People were bailing out. You know, almost um, between 69 and 75, almost a million people left New York, 600,000 jobs. The week before he became mayor, the Wall Street Journal published an editorial saying uh, we should give up and just declare bankruptcy. Hmm. And he said, no way, he's not going to give up. And he 
said, we're going we're, we're gonna to turn it around, and he did. And New York today, of course, is thriving, and that really started with him. All right, absolutely. Uh, recently, uh, the uh, mayor uh, commented on the appointment, or soon to be appointment probably of, uh, of Hegel as a, as a defense um, secretary, and uh, I think he was pretty, um, you know, pretty accepting of the fact that it, it was going to happen, but he said that uh, Congress will still be there to make sure that the, the Defense Department is kept in check. It was very pragmatic and, and very understanding of how politics works and you know, what, uh, what would happen, but uh, knowing you know, that what he says will still be heard and listened to. He was clearly disappointed with the appointment, and he wasn't shy to say that. Absolutely. You know, it, the irony is not lost on anyone that, uh, that knows the story that, he passed away on the um, on the yard site of Daniel Pearl, and uh, Daniel Pearl, who was murdered uh, by uh, a Muslim terrorist in 2002, uh, said right before he died, "My father is Jewish, my mother is Jewish, and I am Jewish," and that is an inscription that is part of the tombstone that um, that will, uh, I don't know if the right word is grace. Uh, uh, his presence when he's buried uh, tomorrow, but um, it, it's uh, you know that, that irony is not lost that, that he passed away on that same day of Daniel Pearl's yard site, uh, and uh, the the tombstone also has a uh, uh, a mug and David on it, a Jewish star, uh, and it has the words of Shema, uh, and and something that I understand I did not realize this I, I saw it but then I read later that he apparently uh, had this added on. Uh, and it says he was fiercely proud of his Jewish faith. He fiercely defended the city of New York, and he fiercely loved its people. Above all, he loved his country, the United States of America, in whose armed forces he served in World War II. The, the pride of his being Jewish certainly has come through over the years. The pride of his being a New Yorker has come through. <laughs> what do you say about how he orchestrated being buried in New York City? He made sure that it would happen. <laughs> Well, he, he he said, well, it wasn't just New York City. He wanted to be buried in Manhattan. In Manhattan, right? And there's no and there's no said, burial spots in Manhattan. And he found one, and which is a non-sectarian. But uh, when I complained to him about that, because I told him, you know, if it's, it's not really a Jewish cemetery, it's, it's, it's non-denominational. He said he asked the he asked the rabbi. He told me. <laughs> Yes, the rabbi. I'm sure. I'd rather not mention his name on the air. That's okay. Who told him, and it's an Orthodox rabbi, by the way, uh-huh. a prominent Orthodox rabbi, who told him that if his, uh, if his, his kever is like Dalit Amos, uh, four cubits away from other firm, and with a gate around it, then, he, then it's okay. And that's what he did. Right, absolutely. I, I think uh, that. Rabbi, by the way, uh, was interviewed on Friday uh, a number of different uh, places, but we'll, we won't mention his name. Uh, maybe someday we'll get him on the air to discuss that. But, but that's not, you know, that's not even the point. The point is that he, uh, that, that Mayor Koch uh, wanted to uh, show his his uh, his pride in being Jewish and in being a New Yorker, certainly. Right. Uh, and it, and he even said that he's he was a secular Jew, but he believes in God. He believes in the afterlife. He believes in heaven, and he hoped that he's going to be rewarded for the time that he was here. Uh, it was it was written in the Algemeiner uh, once. His his Hebrew name was Yidel Yitzchak. I don't know if you ever called him Yidel uh, Yidel Yitzchak or. No, I, I can't say that I did. No. But uh, you know, he was he was proud of that, and certainly a, a wonderful leader and a wonderful American. What do you remember most? If you had to think of one one thing about 
former Mayor Koch? His spirit. I mean, because he was, like, indomitable, you know. Uh, he just, like, would be able to support others and rally others, whoever it was, to, you know, believe in New York and not give up when the city looked like it was going under, or whether it was to fight for that Israel whenever the need arose, including, you know, the seat that Bob Turner had had been Democratic for about almost 100 years. And so he was determined to make his point and, um, show his enthusiasm and not to be defied by the odds. And he did that continuously uh, and successfully, and that's how he'll be remembered. Absolutely. A. Biederman, thank you uh, for discussing uh, Ma former Mayor Ed Koch, a longtime friend of yours. You've served in his administration. And thank you for the insights. A quick uh, minute on Shuvu. Anything uh, happening there that you well, want to relate? Have our, we have our Hashem, our dinner coming up on March 9th, which is uh, just f almost five weeks away. And uh, every year people come together to strengthen the organization founded by one of the great tzaddikim of our times uh, in America, for sure, and around the world, Reverend Rampam Zatzal. And we hope that people come back again this year to join us as they do every year. And we have uh, continuous growth. If people are interested in coming back to their roots, and we opened seven new schools this year, which is wow. almost a record. So. Uh, Tom has been missed a number of years, but his legacy lives on. Absolutely, absolutely. Good success uh, success with the dinner coming up and with uh, your work in Shuvu. Thank you again, Abe Biederman, for joining us on JM Sunday. Thank you very much. Take care. Take care. We are going to music by uh, Miami Boys Choir, Mila Hashem Eli, here on JM Sunday.
by Arya Kunstler Gamki Elech here on JM Sunday as we wrap up another great show. Odi Shama before that from Shlomo Simcha. And uh, before that, Miami Boys Choir with Mila Hashem Eli. And uh, just wanted to mention, although we didn't get somebody on the air about this today, Super Bowl today, if you're going to be there, there is kosher food. And uh, Chabad Lubavitch of Louisiana has been taking care of that. Let's us know that there will be a strictly glad kosher food cart on the fifth floor concourse of the Superdome in New Orleans. So uh, if you're going to be there, uh, it should uh, it should be something very very tasty, I'm sure. And you can get some information about the Chabad of Louisiana by calling 504-302-1830. That's the number to call for any information that you would like. And as we get ready to wrap up the show, I wanted to thank my guests, Dan Cohen, director of the film Mission of Hope, Space Shuttle Columbia. For information on where that's playing, go to missionofhopemovie.com, missionofhopemovie.com. My thanks to Abe Biederman, who joined us with a bit of a retrospective on his friend and uh, colleague, former Mayor Ed Koch, who passed away this Friday at the age of 88. And thank you to Connor Levy-Julian giving us our news from Israel. Tomorrow morning, Nachum Siegel, bright and early, 6 a.m. with J.M. in the a.m. Following that, the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten, Mayor Milim, then and now segment. Like him on Facebook, the Israel Show, and like us on Facebook at J.M. Sunday. Up next is an encore presentation of the Book of Life with Charlie Harari. We'll see you again next week on JM Sunday. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great week.